Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, hosted by myself, Madison Pollock, and my good friend, Paige Gill. Hello, everybody. We are so excited to start this podcast and welcome other fellow young cancer fighters and survivors to talk about their story and experiences. We thought we'd introduce ourselves for our first episode so everyone gets to know us and knows why we've started this podcast and why having an outlet for young cancer fighters and survivors is so crucial. Um, I'll be asking Paige lots of questions to start with, and then she'll be interviewing me. Uh, So Paige, to start, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis. Yeah, definitely. So I was diagnosed when I was 22, I believe. Um, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage 2B. Um, They have different rankings for different types of cancers. So I was 2B because it was above the pelvic region, I believe, is how they kind of classify it for um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so it was throughout the left side of my neck and kind of throughout my chest. Mm -hmm. Um, And and yeah, that was kind of where it all started. And how do you did you have lumps in your neck? How do you figure out that you had it? Yeah, it was actually kind of a crazy story. So it was my undergraduate um, uh, celebrations for graduation. Mm -hmm. And me and my brother had a joint graduation party. And obviously at graduation parties, you just kind of get um, shit faced. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, went out uh, kind of Went to some clubbing and um, had a bad rough night that night, um, <laughs> as all of us can sometimes do and get a get away from ourselves. And so um, the next morning, I actually woke up, was feeling like crap, but I just thought, you know what, it's a hangover, mm-hmm. um, no big deal, sleep it off, it's gonna go away. And I was supposed to leave for Prague for a study abroad program two days later for like six weeks. Yeah. So it was like really close to that. So I slept all that day. And then the next day I went for a shower and came out and I looked in the mirror and on my left side of my neck, there was a huge like golf size lump and um that was like the first indication that really like stood out to me but for months before that Mm -hmm. I had rashes on my leg I just thought it was dry skin all my friends were like you need to get that checked by a doctor I was like no 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 it's just dry skin no Mm -hmm. worries and um that was also an indication that it was growing so that as well as night sweats I had night sweats Mm -hmm. but thought it was just hormones because I had had that before in my life and right. that, those went away naturally. So I did have some very obvious signs that you look back in retrospect and you're like, they're big signs, but in the moment you just push it off to it's yeah. no big deal. Of course. But yeah, and you're 22. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's the last thing you're going to think you have is cancer. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the lump on my neck, my siblings were like, you got to go to a doctor right now. Even the lump on my neck, Maddie, I was like, no, yeah. I don't even need to get this checked. I'll like deal with it. It'll, it's like a bug bite or right. something. Um, but my siblings were like, no, cause you're going to Prague. 
and right. you cannot go over there without getting this checked out. So got it checked out. And I still remember to this day, um, my family doctor actually told me to go to the emergency room and the emergency room doctor was like, I just think it's mono. And he did all these tests and he actually swayed me to not do mm-hmm. a CAT scan. Yeah. And my mom was like, nope, if she's leaving the country, we need to do a CAT scan. So yeah. I still vividly remember after the CAT scan, I was waiting like in the ER hospital bed with my mom. We were watching like Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something like hearted. And we were just laughing there. And he comes in very somber and he was like, "Um, your trip to Prague is going to be a little postponed. Uh, And yeah, at that moment, I'm just like, oh crap. Like this is not good. (laughs) He kind of just, put his hand on mine like to comfort me and I could just tell immediately that was like a no-no like it was not going to be good news so he was like yeah we see a lot of bumps throughout your chest area and so I'm glad we went ahead and did that but the reason I bring up that we had a crazy night Mm -hmm. two days previously is because when they kept me overnight to kind of figure out if it is cancer or not they have to do a biopsy and all that an oncologist came and saw me mm-hmm. and he was like, well, we studied in med school that, you know, drinking can kind of exacerbate everything and right. push everything to the surface. Right. And I've never really seen this actually happen. Wow. That must've been what happened. Like you pu- puked your brains out and it kind of pushed it to the surface. So thank God yeah. you went out and party. Right. So that's kind of the reason I always bring up that I partied not to just yeah. say it as part of the story, but it actually meant something. It's a good lesson. So go, go out and party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Go out and party. It'll bring out all your illnesses. <laughs> all so your you problems. Get it treated. Exactly. But what about you, Maddie? How did you figure out what was going on with you and what was your diagnosis? Yeah, um, very similar to you in terms of diagnosis. So Hodgkin's lymphoma, high risk stage two, um, which means uh, it was also in my chest. It didn't spread anywhere, thankfully. So why it was stage two. Um, and I figured out, so mine was kind of weird. I didn't have any of those like obvious symptoms until the very end when I finally figured it out. But, um, for like about a year, over a year, I was having a lot of chest pain. Um, Mm. like when I would breathe in, I wouldn't be able to catch my breath and there would be a sharp pain in my chest. And it kind of felt like there was something going up and down my body when I was breathing in. It was very weird. It was like a crackly feeling almost. Um, And then about like a year into having that pain on and off, uh, a lymph node was swollen in my armpit, in my left armpit. And I called my mom and I was like, is this weird? You know? And she was like, no, like that always happens. It's probably just hormones. Like you're probably getting your period or something. Exactly. Um, yeah. And like the chest pain wasn't that bad. So I just thought I had heartburn or something like, right. Yeah. Just push it off. Right. Um, and so then I moved to Austin um, and I started not being able to, I've always worked out and like been very active, but I started to not be able to catch my breath and like coughing the entire hour of a workout class. And so I knew something was wrong. And then I was on a home, I was on a flight home. Uh, from London for work and my chest pain started 
aching like really bad, like couldn't breathe. My veins on my left arm started really hurting, which is like a sign of a heart attack. So I was freaking out. Oh my gosh. Um, So I took some Advil and it went away a little bit. Like the pain subsided a little bit. And then like right when I landed, I went to urgent care Mm -hmm. and they took a uh, EKG of my heart and it came back kind of weird. And she was like, you need to go to the ER because we don't have x-ray machines here. So I went to the ER with two of my friends that lived in Austin and, you know, had no way. I just thought like, maybe I pulled something like who knows. Right. Yeah. So I get to the ER and they took an x-ray um, of my chest and they found it to be very opaque in my left lung. Like my air wasn't coming in and out properly. And so then they did a CT scan and found a really big mass in my chest and like towards my armpit and the doctor was like we think you have lymphoma just like (laughs) like, out there yeah 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 I was like well I didn't even know what lymphoma was I had to google it I was like yeah same here um yeah like what is that (laughs) yeah uh so found out it was cancer I told my mom and my parents flew out to Austin from California um like right away so the next morning they were there thankfully and I was in the hospital for like three days they just did a bunch of tests. They did a needle biopsy of the lymph node and it came back inconclusive. And the doctors were so like, I don't know about you in the ER, but the doctors were so weird in the ER. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Beyond chill. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like they would have brushed it off if we didn't push them to do more. Yeah. Right. For sure. Which is yeah. scary. They were bizarre. It's so scary. And I think a lot of people experience that too. And yeah, so they did a needle biopsy, came back inconclusive. So me and my mom were like crying of happiness. We thought it was fine because we yeah, assumed it's not that. Yeah, if it's cancer, like they would be able to figure it out. And my blood work was completely normal. So very weird. And then the pain, the chest pain kind of went away for like two weeks and then it came back and I was like, fuck this, like I'm going home and figuring this out. So I flew home to LA. We went to tons of doctors and infectious disease doctor, radiologists, of course, just everyone to like rule out cancer. Mm -hmm. And then we did a surgery on our, uh, my entire lymph node. So they took it out and I woke up to the surgeon saying you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So then I was kind of like, it was a weird feeling of relief. Because I was like, finally, Mm -hmm. I know what it is after over a year. exactly. Do you feel the same? Oh, yeah. Like, I guess the scary part is, yeah, it was was relief. But just hearing that word, I remember, I remember they didn't tell me it was lymphoma or anything until, like, it was actually confirmed with a biopsy. I just Mm -hmm. remember them saying it might be cancer. And this was, like, the day I, like, the first day I went to the ER. Oh, wow. they were quick, like the oncologist came in the same one that was like, Oh, you were out drinking, whatever. He was the one that said, Yeah, I am obviously a cancer doctor. So this is all I see. So don't get too disheartened right now. It might I'm not that smart, like of a guy he was like trying to be nice. He's like, Yeah, even though I'm an oncologist, I'm not that smart of a guy. I could be wrong. <laughs> right? I just like trying to make it. Yeah, exactly. But then I remember I knew it was cancer because I mean, I broke down then like that was the first and maybe the only time I like broke broke down was when I heard it might be cancer. We didn't even know. And then they did the biopsy. 
a few in in the midst of us waiting, I know they said like this day and this between this time, you'll know um, the biopsy results. And Mm -hmm. I remember my parents were trying to keep me distracted. So they were like, go to the mall, um, the gallery in Houston, they were like, go to the mall and kind of get your mind off things. I know we're supposed to get results back today. We'll call you if we get the results back. Yeah. And I was out and obviously my mind is not on shopping and what my next outfit I'm going to (laughs) rock. Of course. It is the whole time by my phone. Like, can we just sit at a table at the food court and just look at my phone? (laughs) I don't care about anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember I was just like trying on random shit, trying to get my mind off stuff. And then I was like, it is two hours past the time I was supposed to find out. And my parents still haven't called me with the results. Yeah. What the hell is going on? And then I called them and they were like, no, we haven't have, we don't have the results back yet. And I was like, okay. So I went home in my driveway were like <laughs> 10 cars, Maddie. Oh and my goodness. That's, I knew it. I oh. knew it. As pulling into the driveway, I was like, all of my family friends, that are close to me are not here because I don't have it or right. because the results did not come in. Right. The, res- <laughs> the results must have come in. So then I walked in the door and my parents were like, can we talk to you? There were like 30 oh my people God. in the house. I know. It was like a congrats, you have cancer party. Yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were like, can we talk to you like privately? And so they told me. And I remember my reaction. It like. I'm surprised looking back and seeing myself. I'm like, wow, Paige, your reaction was odd, I guess, but yeah, for you, but really odd because I was just like, yeah, okay, I yeah. know I have it. Yeah, you know, well, how I was felt yours? the same. I felt the same when the surgeon said that to me. I felt the same right. way. I was like, okay, now what do we do about it? Basically, like, right. let's fucking get it and kill it, and yeah, hopefully totally. it'll be over. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's interesting to hear how families react and like what they do. That's amazing. I know. How did your parents react to it? I mean, I know the surgeon told you, but when did they find out? My mom was in the room with me when I woke up from surgery. So yeah, they were stressed for sure. And my mom basically called everyone. She's a nurse, so she knows a lot of doctors. And so she basically called everyone she knew. My family friend is a radiologist, so we had him do the scans. Because after surgery, then they had to do a PET CT scan, which I'm sure you had to do. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Which for for what people like, if people don't know what PET CT, basically you, what is it, Paige? Like that that they put in you to light things up. (laughs) Yeah, I I always wonder that. It's like this. I guess they make you drink this drink that has, or I, they do it in various ways. I know I've gotten it done either. Some of them, they're like, oh, choose between all these different drink options and they put <laughs> it in there. Yeah. Or they stick you with an IV. Yeah, they did it at, with right? an IV for me. Or maybe I'm getting confused and maybe the different color or the different drinks, maybe that's just a regular CAT scan. Maybe I'm getting, maybe that's the CAT scan and PET CT is always through the IV, maybe. Yeah, but, maybe. Um, but yeah, it basically is just this 
I don't formula they have and it just lights <laughs> up like a Christmas tree. All of yeah. the cancer in you. That's kind of the most I ever get to knowing about it. Yeah, exactly. Before I phase out. Yeah. So the, that's pretty much all I know too. Yeah. So it basically and it makes you when you're sitting in the CT scan machine, it like makes you really warm. Yep. Like you just <laughs> pissed your pants. Yeah. Kind exactly. of feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's such a weird sensation. Yeah. Um, I always get interested to see. Like, this is a juicy question. I always love to see other um, cancer survivors or fighters. Like, I always want to know what was your reaction or kind of your go-to plan for the hair. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a you know oh, hard hitting question. I know the hair is the hardest part, which is sad because you think you know I'm alive and like I'm gonna survive this but the hair is what you think about and yeah it's so hard not to I know it's a it's super so hard not to. thing but like as as women especially I think but even for guys it's it's your identity in some way you know oh, absolutely. like yeah yeah I had hair down in my butt I'm like forever oh, gosh so yeah um, that's what you were used to Never yes. short pixie or anything. Never, never. <laughs> um, never thought I would have short hair. Yeah, the hair. So when I figured out how to do chemo, because I was like hoping that because it was stage two, I was hoping that maybe I wouldn't have to go through chemo or something. I, I don't know. But basically, when I met my oncologist for the first time, he was like, these are your options. You have to do chemo for either four months and then we'll see what happens and then you might be able to go to radiation or you have to do chemo for six months and that was when I broke down that was with my mm. dad my mom my brother in the room and that was the first time I saw my dad ever cry oh um, because I was like a mess because I knew my hair would fall out I thought I was going to be really really sick throughout it because mm -hmm. what you see on movies you and of course oh, this yeah. is real for some people but you see on movies every like cancer patients just being so sick and, oh yeah it's um, like their face in a toilet at all hours of the day exactly. like the, yeah the the color is washed off your face I mean mm -hmm. yeah no a hundred percent there's this kind of picture of how cancer is always seen but you're right like a lot of that was true I'm not yeah. gonna lie <laughs> yeah yeah, for sure. And for me, I, I was very lucky, honestly, throughout my treatment, like I was never actually sick, like I didn't actually ever throw up. I mean, I felt disgusting and horrible. Right. But I never was actually sick. And I talked to several other people who weren't actually sick either. I think it just, you know, depends, of course, how your body reacts to certain things. But also, it's like, uh, what was your treat? How because my treatment was every other week. Yeah, mine, mine was the exact same every other week. And I actually never threw up once either. Yeah. And that was but yeah, you just feel like shit all the time. Yeah, like, you just well, feel horrible. Yeah, like how it was for me. And I'm interested to see if like this was yours too. Is like the week you get it like that day. I remember like the day you get chemo right as soon as you step out those doors going back home you feel like absolute crap and then for me it lasted for seven days so like a full week wow and That's then long. 
Yeah, it lasted for a full seven days. I would just sit there. I I wouldn't even want to watch TV. Like I would just want to sleep through all of those seven days because for me it was crazy. Like a switch mm-hmm. on the eighth day after treatment after chemo, I would be completely normal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Was like a, right. How was yeah. yours? Yeah, mine was. Um, so okay, after the first and second round, so. Um, also just for context for anyone listening. So Paige, I think you did too, had, um, ABVD as our chemo treatment. And I think a lot of people don't know that chemo is just a word for a mix of different drugs. (laughs) Like I thought chemo was one drug. (laughs) (laughs) I had literally no idea. Makes sense. I mean, there's so, it's, it's hard to know everything about this disease. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, for sure. But after the first and second round, I felt fine. Like I was kind of concerned. Like after the first one, I literally felt normal. So then the other treatments after the second one, after you would have chemo, you like the whole time you'd feel okay. So after no, so after the second one, and they always say it's cumulative, you know, so like by the end, you like really feel horrible. So after the third one, I felt pretty sick and it would last for three days for me so I would just be in bed for like three days after and then the fourth day I would always force myself no matter how sick I felt to go work out yeah and I don't know if it was that or just in my mind but literally I would work out sweat and then would feel fine like the nausea would go away that's wild oh my gosh so that was very lucky yeah yeah, the working out part is crucial. I agree with you on that, to sweat it out. That was mm-hmm. huge. I mean, I wasn't able to until after the seventh day, like I said, the yeah. eighth, eighth day switch on. That's when I would also, yeah, for a full on week where I was feeling okay before getting it again, I would force myself to work out 100% as well. Yeah. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And it sounds like so annoying. It's like, go work out during chemo. But like, it actually helps so much. I know. And you feel kind of like a superhuman. Like, Like, you know, you're like, yes, yes, we can do this. Like, even though we're going through chemo, like, just come on, you got this. Exactly. So, uh, but but you were saying your hair. Sorry, we totally. Oh, we totally veered. Yeah, but your, your hair. Tell me what what went down with that. So the hair, yeah, so that was hard. Um, so that happened, I think, same for you after the second time mm-hmm. of chemo. Yeah, and they prepared me, like, letting me know that it's going to happen. After the second round, I was so – I was just, like, I don't want it to fall out. So it was, like, in a bun for, like, four days. And I could feel that it was, like, falling. Like, I didn't shower because I was, like, I'm not letting any fall out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I could feel that it was coming out. Like, I would just go through, like, my hair, and a ton would come out. So that was really sad. I know. It's so hard to avoid it, no matter what. Like, yeah, the no showers on the hair. Like, like, sleeping in a certain position. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it wants to come out. Nothing you're going to do is stopping those babies. Exactly. (laughs) They're just coming out. Yeah, exactly. I did something that helped. I talked to my friend's mom who had breast cancer and she was like I basically was trying to talk to anyone and everyone like how did you prepare for this because the hair really totally it's I think it's also the worst part because it's like a visual representation that you're not healthy 
hundred percent. Yeah. It's like that the biggest sign that you're sick and everyone else is seeing it too. It's not something you can easily hide. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the hardest part. So, uh, so I talked to my mom's friend and she was basically like, you know, it sucks, but the anxiety leading up to it is much worse than actually once your hair is off, like I would just shave it off. And she was like, you know, after I shaved my hair, I looked in the mirror and I was like, yeah, I'm bald, but everyone that loves me still loves me. Like, that's really all that matters. And I was yeah. like, that's so true. I don't know. Like, I think too, because we're that. young, we're, we're thinking of like, oh my God, like we're going to be bald. Like I'm bald. Yeah. Like dating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like judge you for that. Like new friendships, whatever, like new new dating yeah. it it all kind of revolves in your head around this one thing like oh my exactly. god exactly see this yeah exactly um yeah so it's just so many thoughts going in your head and then I went to a hairdresser who was making a wig for me also and he was amazing okay. and all my friends came my whole family came and he just shaved it off and <laughs> oh my gosh yeah just uh, let's go yeah. just one just- swoop yeah, it was so weird. And then after I was fine, like I ha- I did my makeup, obviously. And I was like, okay, like I can maybe pull off the bald look. I also have a yeah. wig just in case, like I want to wear one. Back up. Yeah. Yeah. Just to back up. I only wore it twice <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Oh that's okay. yeah. That's a whole <laughs> other thing we have to, we'll have to go into the wig yeah. si- situation. The wig. <laughs> yeah. I um, got tell me my... about your, yeah. Tell me about your experience. Yeah, kind of like the same thing. Like you said, I know after two chemos, yeah, they were like, it's gonna come out. I remember, I still remember sitting in the oncology, my oncologist's office after the second one, maybe. And I was like, oh my gosh, I might be the lucky one. One of the lucky ones that (laughs) doesn't have their hair fall out. This is like, awesome. My hair's not gonna fall out. And then I go to him to like kind of reassure me that like okay yeah it's usually after the first or second one that it falls out and then if you don't have it fall out you're okay but he was like mm-hmm. uh, it falls out usually after the third I've seen and it can happen at any point and I was like oh my gosh okay I'm gonna have to <laughs> I'm gonna have to wait for the next one to see then I guess if it's gonna fall out and we were actually on my family did a trip for me. We were in Destin and I still remember it was after my, maybe actually even after my fourth chemo, I lasted till the fourth chemo. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So I got kind of halfway through and I had cut mine to a pixie cut though. Okay. Um, because I was told like, same kind of thing. You, the hardest part is going to see your long strands yeah. falling off in chunks, like hairballs. Yeah. And that's a, like we said, reminder that you are sick. Like, right. like that's the first thing you're going to see on your pillow in the morning, the first, yeah. like in the shower, like it's, oh, it's, the shower. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> those showers. I'm, I'm <laughs> on that no shower train with you, Maddie. Like, yeah. I was like, let me just do a body, body shower. Totally. Always. Don't freaking touch the hair. But I remember I did like baby steps. So I first cut it to my shoulders and just like you, I was used to long hair my whole life. Mm-hmm. And even in my religion, actually, hair is one of the biggest symbolic 
representations for Sikh people. Like we aren't supposed to cut our hair in our religion. Oh, wow. Wow. And so, I mean, I did used to cut my hair and like trim my hair, but I wasn't allowed until 13, maybe like 12 to even get a trim. Oh my gosh. So yeah, hair was huge. Like just from- So it's even more of, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was like always kind of in our head hair. That's, that's a huge part of us. So um, I remember I cut it to my shoulders and I was digging it. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, I like this. <laughs> yeah. This is a fun thing. I would have never tried it. And I loved it at my shoulders. It felt healthier, all that. It it cut off all my gross dyed hair mm-hmm. that I had bleached and hated anyway. So yeah. cutting it to my shoulders was great. But then I remember one of my friends, Amrita, she took me to the hairdresser with my mom and they were both like you need to go pixie yeah just do it just yeah just come on I know it's hard and I was like no that's I'm not doing it but I mean I sat there and as they were cutting it off that's I had tears in my eyes for sure but Mm -hmm. even after that cut like kind of how you said when they shaved yours I mean I know that I, I did still have hair but it was just kind of like a boy cut but I mean I I felt like I didn't recognize myself even with this right like length of hair like it was very hard for me to look in the mirror but I I tried to rock it and I think it just took me a few days to get used to it Mm -hmm. but then yeah after the thing was I never shaved my whole hair off because it took so yeah, because because it took till the fourth chemo for me to start losing it. And and that's what I was kind of going into was I was on a trip, we were in Destin, we weren't allowed to fly. So we, I wasn't allowed to fly. I say that and it's crazy to say because right now during this pandemic, it's <laughs> yeah. like, that's we're also not thing. allowed. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> <That's> so true. <laughs> it doesn't uh-huh. feel any different to that. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, I remember on that trip, I went into the shower, like after the beach. And that was the first time I put a comb through my hair. Mm. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? I held on to it till halfway through. No, That's insane. Wow. Don't do this. And my now fiance, we, we were just um, friends back then. But I remember he saw that comb because I was like in tears and I was showing my mom and like, he saw that comb and he was like Paige and he like just put the comb through his hair too. And he was like, see, mine's falling out as well. And that like did make me laugh (laughs) through my tears. It did. It did crack me up because I know Mm -hmm. he was like trying to help, but I just remember that was a really horrific memory of, of the whole journey was when that happened. And so then after that, it was kind of wild. I just kind of waited it out. I was like, I don't, I'm, I didn't have it in me to shave it. I honestly kind of looked back and wish that I maybe did because the remaining hair was very straggly. It wasn't healthy, but what I did for all the listeners out there, what I did, if, if you are going through it and you feel like you're in the same kind of phase of how mine went out, where you have like a little bit coming out each mm-hmm. other week, like every other week while treatment or whatever, but it's not completely bald yet. I used this keratin hair fiber that oh. stuck together the little hair that I did really? and it filled in the patches. It was like magic. 
work. Wow, that's so interesting. So yeah, I am. God, I wish I knew about it. Yeah, I know. Like uh, the reason we found out about it is because someone, like our someone that was a friend of my mom's, I think had a lot of hair loss issue, and she used it for herself to mm. to kind of fill in the patches of hair. And so she was like, hey, this might work for Paige too. If she still has a few strands of her pixie hair, like you can fill this in and it binds together whatever you have. So for anyone out there needing that assistance, like I would love to help tell you where to get this. It was a lifesaver for me because it really like, you could tell my hair was thinning if you knew me from before, but I, I, I didn't look bald, even though 80%, 85 of my percent of my hair was gone like I was bald underneath practically wow that's amazing but yeah that 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 was a lifesaver so wow that was kind of my my thing so but but honestly I commend you for just just going for it (laughs) (laughs) it was I mean it was fully falling out so I was like because some people do say like cut it short first right and I in my head, I was like, I don't even think a pixie cut would look cute. Like, I might as well just go all bald. Hey, um, girl, you have such a cute face. <laughs> I don't know why, but... And you pulled uh, off the bald. So I think you could have definitely pulled off the pixie if you pulled well, off the bald. Well, I had to. I had to when I was growing back, for sure. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah, but... It was just weird. And I remember that reminds me, Paige, my mom, when it was growing back, like, so it starts growing back, at least for me, during like the last two treatments. So I had four months of chemo. And so during the last two, which is eight total. And so during the last two, my hair started growing back a little bit, but really thin, like, okay, thin, it felt like baby hair. And my mom went and got me like what like bald menus to fill in on the top of their head. And I did it. She got me black. My hair is like brown. And when it was growing in, it was like colorless. Literally, it was like almost gray, but literally had no color. It was so weird. And so I tried it and it was like just black powder on my head oh my gosh that's too funny we're willing to go through anything to to fill in whatever we have yeah I'm yeah whatever tricks and tips yeah it's so funny I did take I started once treatment was over like chemo because my doctor didn't recommend taking any supplements during it I don't know about your doctor but then I took like so much biotin every day basically to help my hair grow yeah I think I think it worked my hair grows pretty fast anyway but my it grew pretty fast Um, yeah yours yours really grew I mean I know we were talking about this before we started um mine keeps growing horizontally it's growing (laughs) bigger and bigger and I just need it to go down down now yeah I get it yeah same with mine mine's very voluminous yeah I mean that's what they always say that I know I felt a lot better knowing that um people would always tell me I had like two family friends who had cancer and they kept telling me you know what it grows back fast and a lot Mm -hmm. of people also mentioned that it grows back thicker and so much thicker yeah my hair is so much thicker for sure me too like I I had always prayed to God and asked him for better hair 
And the joke I always had to like my friends was it came true. Yeah, he did it in the most roundabout way, but he answered my prayers. So thank That's you for so that. That's so funny. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> true. So so yeah, it's like she really wants this hair. Yeah, she really wants this hair, so I'm gonna give it to her. She's gonna have to work for it, but it'll yeah. happen. That's so, so funny. I want to talk about the after effects of all of it. So kind of what were your when you were done with treatment what was your next step in life and like what were you mentally thinking yeah I think I don't know if this was the right way to do it I know that after treatment um, my two family friends who like I said had lymphoma they had two different types of lymphoma they kind of told me you know take time off after treatment like six months because afterwards is going to be a lot harder than even treatment or before Mm -hmm. treatment. Like that's where you're going to have to put in all the work because that's mentally and physically exhausting is the after Mm -hmm. part. And I, I never really took that seriously. I mean, I, I listened to it and I was like, okay, like, let's see what happens. But I, kind of pushed through it. And looking back, I kind of wish that maybe I would have given myself that time to recover afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like they had told me because I went straight. So I was in the middle of I'm in a a program that was um, an integrated undergraduate and graduate school program. And so I still had the graduate um, portion left and like two more classes of my undergraduate left to finish up. And I finished radiation in December. And just like you, I had the four months of chemo. And then Mm -hmm. I did a month of radiation, I believe. And that was December of 2018. And I went straight back into school January. Mm. Wow. So a month later, I I went back and was like, I need to finish. Like, I don't want to waste any more time. And I think more than that, I needed to feel that distraction or kind of moving Mm -hmm. forward with life being normal again, instead of sitting there and feeling like I was a sick person. And I think that's why I pushed myself. But now, unfortunately, like I do have some residual effects. Um, I don't know 100% if it is from the treatments, but um, I've had this kind of unbearable nausea for about seven months now. And Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of inflammation in my gut. And probably a lot also associated with stress. I mean, I had panic attacks. For a long time after a lot of PTSD afterwards. And one thing I know that you did, which I regret that I should have done is I didn't join a support group. Mm. So I I look back and kind of this is my support group now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like my support group, because I remember when I when I met you, Maddie, for the listeners out there, I met Maddie through um, like we were both we were both living in Austin. Mm -hmm. And on my engagement, Maddie was there through another friend of ours. And that's how we met. And I was, I kind of heard about Maddie that, oh yeah, like she also has lymphoma. But when I met you, I was like, my soul sister, I have met someone (laughs) who had stage 2B Hodgkin's lymphoma. Our hair length was the exact same. Like 
it was it was like looking in the mirror almost and seriously right like that that connection was so strong like it felt like I had known you forever so that's what I kind of wish I did earlier on is like that support Mm -hmm. group I think that would have helped a lot afterwards and even during but yeah I would say the biggest effect is these stomach issues and this nausea that I have an inflammation so so yeah that's kind of one one big thing that is a big struggle right now and I all I keep saying this but it like almost feels worse than the treatment because you know it's going to end with the treatment and Mm -hmm. you know why you're feeling like crap but with this it's kind of like you figuring out your way of what works what doesn't work and Mm -hmm. they kind of haven't been able the doctors haven't been able to really pinpoint exactly what it is so it's going to kind of just be a journey right now um, yeah um, getting back to normal I guess right the new normal the new normal I know that exactly is being used a lot now but what about you did you have any after effects of all this yeah so um I had the same treatment as you so four months chemo one month radiation and really the mostly like my mind was affected more than my physical body like I did have a lot of chest pain I think from the radiation it caused like tons of inflammation. I think I have some scar tissue still in mm-hmm. my chest um, that just gets like inflamed. If I, I can tell like now, even if I'm like really, if I'm eating unhealthy, if I drink a lot, mm-hmm. I still have some chest pain. Yeah. Wine and coffee are like not our friends. I know, like, but I right drink now. so much of both. Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> two of my favorite things. And right now I'm having to give up both. And I'm like, oh, my oh God. I'm sure for you. Yeah. Cause you're nauseous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the worst but... feeling ever. Uh, so afterwards I, same as you, I like ran back into life basically. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to waste any time. And so I finished, uh, radiation in middle of January and I went back to Austin so I'm originally from California so I did all my treatment at home and lived with my family and then immediately one month after I went back to Austin so February and yeah same as you I had a lot of panic attacks I was so scared of the cancer coming back because it they say in the first year that's when it's most likely but thankfully we're both clear and yeah our first year so yeah just panic attacks so scared it was coming back any little pain like literally anything I was like oh like it's back great Mm -hmm. um would be constantly checking my armpits and my neck like constantly I still do oh (laughs) yeah constant first first thing you look at in the morning yeah Yeah. so it was just um and my hair was you know sure I didn't feel confident like it was just really hard I that was the mental stuff was so much harder than, than the physical for me. And then what kind of helped was, so I just was feeling like still really unhealthy. And I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, is this really what I, my job now is digital advertising. Uh, I'm in sales for a digital advertising agency and it's great, but it's like, what do I actually want to do with my life? Like something, something must come from this weird experience. And so I, one friend um, from work, actually, she mentioned that she was getting into nutrition and she had helped her dad lose like 20 pounds and just like, and she, she's like amazing and like very fit. I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I've always been into, you know, fitness and like, but I haven't really 
I never really knew like how to eat healthy and what to like mm-hmm. fuel my body with. And, and that, and there was a lack of that too. And I don't know if you experienced this too with like the doctors, like they never told me what to eat. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. 100%. Like, right. So what to avoid, what to eat, what, and especially after giving us poison to of course kill the cancer, yeah. but like kill exactly. everything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You have to take it all out then. Like you can't just leave it. It's going to stay otherwise. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so there was just no, like, no one teaching me how to eat. So I joined a program to become a health coach, but also to learn myself, like how to eat healthy. And, and it was amazing um, for anyone that's interested. It's called uh, Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And it like completely changed my mental and physical, uh, but it brings you through like, each like it gives you a lot of mental uh work also like meditating and things like that and then also of course how to eat healthy so that helped me yeah and And is that an online class yeah so it was all online it was a year I just recently finished um oh congrats thanks yeah I'm very excited and it was amazing and then like you said also support group was so helpful yeah, I, yeah joined, I know you did that, which yeah. is such a smart idea. Really recommend. And, and I know it's kind of scary for some people. Like, it feels like when you go in and you start, it feels like an AA meeting because you're like, hi, I'm Madison and I yeah. have Hodgkin's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it was amazing. I like, I met so many ama- incredible people through that. It was a young adult support group and most of them were in remission. So it was like, I came in right before my treatment started and they were just like so helpful in terms of like you know giving me tips preparing me for everything that's to come so it was really helpful but yeah the after for sure is just the worst and no one talks about it Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah no one does yeah so that that's huge to know so that's a that's a really big takeaway that I I think that I I'm also hearing for myself is like support groups and anyone who's listening like that's a that's a huge way to feel like you're not alone. And hopefully yeah. this now, hopefully this yes, podcast hopefully. Now. Yes, this is the goal for sure. <laughs> well, I'm so happy, Paige, to start. Our yeah, podcast. me too. This is very exciting. And I can't wait for everyone else we're going to be interviewing in the future here. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, we have a few coming up in the next few weeks. So we're really excited. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Stay tuned.